Hello, good people, and welcome to the Brunswick Beer Collective. Uh, you're listening to season 19, uh, episode 1. Um, I'm not sure how we got to 19. Um, we haven't done this in a while. So, um, welcome back. I am Chris Shorten, um, and with me is Jeffrey Chi. G'day. With me is Carl Campbell. Howdy. With me is Paul Christoph. Hello. And look, I mean, uh, we. The, this is going to be a very exciting show for us, but um, let's just let's just um, kick off for a start and just sort of you know we we haven't been we haven't been on air in a while. Um, what's everyone been up to? Well, I feel like we've um, reached that stage in our podcasting careers where we've been given um, creative creative freedom by the producers to just do seasons, <laughs> however short or long we want, whenever we want, with whatever kind of great breaks we want. Mm, that that feels yeah, better. It's, right. it's basically the South Park formula. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been going for as long as South Park, right? Uh, Season-wise, uh, not, not, like, not, yeah, yeah. not years-wise. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, we've got to be up there. Um, we're, we're aiming for The Simpsons, obviously, which is, what, 34 seasons? Right. Yeah, well, we can do that easily. Just mm. each episode this season is a new season. Right. Mm, yeah, okay, that could work, that could work. <laughs> Um, I mean, we're going to get found out, but I don't know who's going to find us out or why they would care. It's most of the latter, I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so what has everyone been doing during their lockdown? Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose we planned for this, this year's season to be going out to venues, talking to everyone about what it was, how bad 2020 was and mm. what's how, how, what, what are your plans for 2021? And uh <laughs> The happenings of 2021, I guess, are the big reason why it's been such a long break between seasons. Mm, mm. And and yeah. why I'm, why I'm talking to you all over um, a video camera. Yeah, yeah, it all feels a bit cyclical. The last time we were doing this was during, I think, the first lockdown. Yeah. It was lockdown one or lockdown two. It's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, that feels feels like a lifetime ago. Mm. D- uh, Jeff, what have you been up to during lockdown? Uh, I've actually been up to like, like there's like lockdown one and two was basically me sitting on that balcony over there, just getting wasted. And, uh, I, I ran into like, uh, my next door neighbor. Um, there was an, back when we were allowed to be outside, there was an auction on the other side of me and, um, uh, not so, uh, special guest Ben was down just to do a bit of a sticky beak and start talking to my neighbor. My neighbor said, yeah, yeah if I didn't know Jeff was a nice guy, I would have thought he was just a real dick after just listening to him just ranting on that balcony like for like last, you know, have many months. So, so I've tried to do a bit less of that. Um, so, I mean, my partner's back in Australia now, it's exciting. So she was away for the first 18 months of this whole saga. So we're, you know, there's like, Plants in a house, and there's food in the fridge. That's all weird. Um, but where does the beer my, go? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, the beer now actually gets consumed at a lot faster rate as well. So thankfully, like there's, there's, there's kind of plus plus from this, right? There's, there's food, which is weird, but there's more beer consumed in the house, which is good. So we're doing that. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, just sort of actually getting through the beer supply, which is which is nice. I'm drinking beers fresh rather than going like, ah, oh, there's that coffee thing that I got back in May 2020. Let's see how that goes. And this doesn't go well. So, And, Jeff, how is the soy sauce situation? Uh, so there is definitely one bottle of soy sauce that's pretty vintage. I reckon it's been there since about 2015. Um, I used it on some dumplings the other day. Didn't die, but very, very thick. Very thick. <laughs> um, but we've, we've, we've now – so there's now the vintage soy 
and the non-vintage soy. They're different brands, so you know which one's which and we're good, but yeah. Um, for, uh, for those playing at home, um, uh, uh, Jeff and I discussed um, a few weeks ago because um, his partner discovered all this um, vintage soy sauce and I was like, but it's salt. It doesn't go off. Exactly. That was that was my theory. Like, yeah, it's like the fish sauce, what are you worried about? It's fine. It's on trend, right? Fermenting. Yeah, exactly. correct. Correct. Soy sauce just walks out of the room, basically. Pretty much. But... And Kyle, what have you been up to for your lockdown? Uh, not a whole hell of a lot, surprisingly. <laughs> lots of walks, lots of drinking beer. Um, yeah, slowly trying to get through all of my cellar because I am also aiming to have very small supply of beer on hand. <laughs> I imagine I'll be spending quite a lot of time at pubs and venues as soon as they reopen. So I don't want to have 100 beers sitting at home while that happens. Including running your own venue. Yeah, that'd be nice. What's up? What's hospitality like again? Oh, you don't. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to know. You don't want to know. Well, for me, my lockdown has essentially been. Um, uh, I, I've got. I've got still got loads of uh, loads of beers in the fridge. There never seems to be a supply of those. Um, I, I feel like I'm just sort of the five the five uh, k rule for a start meant that I discovered because we moved house between seasons. I discovered all these um, like all of the craft uh, all of the craft beer sort of um, um, buying locations. So like the the little IGA around the corner has a disturbingly large collection of uh, of um, craft beer, which su- surprised me. And then I've got around the next corner is BWS. So you know um, I can I can stay local or I can go macro, and everything works out for me. But beyond that, I'm very much looking forward to, um, uh, you know, getting myself double vaccinated. Everyone needs to get vaccinated, and um, sitting in a beer garden. And a beer garden would make me very, very happy right now. Yeah, I had a very long conversation with my wife about that this morning <laughs> about the best spots to hit up after this all. Well, when we can. Mm. What 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 did you land on? Ah, oh, that. Collingwood doesn't really have a lot of great beer gardens. It's got a lot of really small stuff, but not places you'd really settle in for a, for a little no. bit. So I guess I'll be spending a bit more time out near sort of Paul and Jeff and stuff, Sydney Road, Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Heaps of space for that. Well, look, there's a pub. Yeah, Sorry, you go, Jeff. I was going to say, I also think that, um, you know, I think last year, you know, we, we did the whole park drinks thing, like, you know, between lockdown one and two, and then once we got out of it through summer, venues were open. But I reckon, I reckon sort of park drinking, like, once, like just with, like, you know, groups of reasonable size, once it's allowed, will kind of continue to be a thing as well. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. But, um, and, Kyle, you can always come up even further my way, and then you can go to the first and last. True. It has been a long time since mm-hmm. I've been there. Look, I don't think you've missed anything. Um, um, last last time I was there, it was um, the most interesting thing was stone and wood. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I do need to get up your way because um, I really want to check out Great Beyond. Supposedly, very very good. Oh yeah, shop. It's, it's a good little bottle shop. Yeah. Easy walking distance. Um, cool. So I should really talk about what this episode is going to be about because our special guest is kind of um, – she has a lot to say about this topic and we're very happy that she's chosen to um, say it here. So our guest is um, – and I'm definitely going to screw this up um, uh, – Mariella Majeyev. 
Uh, she is, yep, I can see her laughing at me, which definitely means I've screwed it up. She is a, she's a um, marketer and a PR person, but she's also had a very heavy hand in the beer industry over, um, including um, if you saw some of those great, good beer week posters, you'd see her hanging out next to Miro. Uh, um, <laughs> welcome. True. Thanks for having me. And hey, Chris, don't worry about the name. I respond to anything. So you're all good. <laughs> Look, you were almost just M because I thought that would be faster. That works. <laughs> it really works. So I suppose we need to ask the obvious question. For those playing at home, um, tell us about your world and your um, your association with our beloved industry. Sure. Do you know what? I love that you said it was heavy-handed in beer because that's exactly what happened last night. It was heavy-handed in beer. <laughs> um, but look, to give you a short um, run of my career, I am um, about eight years ago, I started my own company um, and um, found that I was working with a lot of wine and a lot of beer. I mean, beer has always kind of been a passion of mine. I remember um, sitting around, um, not within it, but hearing the um, conversations as Good Beer Week was brought together, um, mm. you know, at, uh, at an after party. Um, in Fed Square, so it was. Um, yeah, it's always kind of been in my in my wheelhouse. It's something I really enjoy. Um, it, you know, it was funny because this was so long ago. So drinking craft beer was as a woman was was a weird thing. You know, everyone would be like, "Do you want a champagne? Or would you like a white wine?" And I was like, "What beer have you got?" Um, and uh, that always used to blow some heads. And look, still to this day, I um, everyone's always handing me a white wine, and I'm like. Oh, thanks. It's very kind. I'm actually going to have a beer instead. So I've had the absolute privilege of working with um, Good Beer Week a few times and um, and also lots of other beer um, initiatives and festivals. Um, and I love the industry. It's um, I think the thing that I love the most about the beer industry, it's not just product and produce. It's a community. And I think that that really makes it stand out. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head and it's sort of, I think we're all a little bit, um, uh, when we, th when we think about good beer week, for example, I think we all kind of, um, that there's this kind of like this shadow, um, a shadow mystery group that sort of, you know, um, uh, they're like the in crowd and, and everyone's like, Ooh, is that the in crowd over there? And it's sort of like staring like some sort of weird fantasy. Um, it, it's, it's, what was it like at the beginning? You know what? It was um, it was really nice because it was very it was small, right? Like it was really tiny. Like it was you know about 20, 30 people. Um, and I remember um, seeing the showcases pop up at Fed Square, like the very early showcases, um, and which were and they still are ridiculous value. Um, mm. You know, like it, it's incredible and it's such a great experience as well. And I just remember the buzz. And what I used to think was something that was only me and my friends really enjoyed because we were nerds, but we were in Fed Square and there was like hundreds of other nerds. And, um, and it was really nice because it was like, wow, we've met, we've met our people. And, um, and then, you know, I started connecting with people through social media like Twitter and Instagram and um, it was very Twitter at the start actually and, um, and seeing that kind of community build on and on and on. And it's really nice to see it 10 years on. Um, mm. To see it in a way that um, how beer has evolved and um, the people that are coming to it, there's a diversity now that's really, really nice. Very nice. Um, 
Look, again, it's it's um, something that we, I think it's fair to say that we all have very beloved and very blurry memories of. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I can turn up to good beer week events like I used to because I don't think my liver can handle it. And when I think about what we used to do, I don't know how we did it. <laughs> I still think that every at the end of May, I'm just like, why? <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> And there's, a, you know what, there's a space, there's a couple of days where there's like this fog of shame that comes over you um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know what I said or what I did. So at some point it got foggy here, it got foggy there, but um, but it's always such a beautiful experience at the end of the day. It's, um, yeah, it's amazing. And you know what, I think the thing that I really love about Could Be A Week is that it really showcases beer in a way. I, I keep saying this to people is that beer has a bit of a perception problem and it has for many years, right? Um, and I think Good Beer Week kind of really smashes that stereotype because, you know, you have beers paired with food and, and you know, it's really about the, the flavours and the structure and the um, and it's just awesome to see beer play in a different scenario where it's not usually considered that way. Mm, mm. But so I suppose the, 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 big, the big question that we... Um, Wanted, we wanted your attention for, and it was something that um, Paul. Do you want to uh, do you want to talk about how all this came about? Um, it was probably a was it a foggy hazy memory now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't remember what exactly kicked off the um, kicked off my rant, but I did a little Facebook rant as I often do about sponsorship and promotions more in the. Um, more in the more in the food space and I got a comment from comments from a few people including Mariella and thought it would make a fun idea for a podcast but and what was what was your specific rant about that's what I can't remember because <laughs> I often rant about this topic something something will set me off I want to know what set you off I remember the rant was about it was about um uh, I think somebody had approached you or something Something had happened and they hadn't disclosed that it was a, a sponsored post or a paid partnership or something. But I loved that you were like, here's a rant, and then I was like, and here's my rant on top of your rant. And then we were like, <laughs> yeah. we were like ranting at each other in the, in the comments and I was like, but we're on the same team. But we're like super ranting. It was fabulous. I'm sure I can find it. I'm sure it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> um, we're organised as usual. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, here we go. I, 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 oh, oh yes, I remember what it was. There we go. First of September, and I have a gif of uh, Hugh Grant banging his head against the desk. Um, <laughs> it was yeah. So there was on one of the um, beer groups on Facebook. There was a discussion. Someone was asking how they go about how or if they should go about disclosing when they receive a beer and post about it on Instagram. And I got into a bit of a back and forth with a beer rep from a Australian craft brewery who was, um, our beers were quite opposed. Um, yes, he did not, long story short, he didn't, he really didn't think that people had to disclose anything. And then it got into a bit of a semi-legal argument and I was bringing out stuff that I know through my legal background and he was still not convinced and it was just getting very frustrating. It's like legal arguments aside, dude, just ethically, come on. But, yeah. Did you pull out the uh, under section, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. <laughs> Surely. 
Yeah, I know what? That's when I know that I'm like, just get away from the computer, Mariella. Get away from the computer. I love that. But so what, uh, I suppose it's a bigger question. Um, Paul, why don't you tell us your rant and then, uh, Mariella, you can tell, uh, you, you can add to that one. Okay, so my rant, well, word for word. Trying to discuss the influencer marketing code of practice and the basics of contract law with a beer sales rep who thinks they know it all because they've, quote, done the research. I mean, put the law aside for a second and just ask yourself, is this okay? At least it's good to know that they are cool with unethical behaviour, so I know not to buy their beers. So sick and tired of fuckwits, influencers, PR, sales reps and various others along the chain give this industry a bad name and drag the vast majority of us good ones down with them. Well put, including the F-bombs. Oh, yeah. There, there, were, there were asterisks in, in, in the rant, though. I didn't actually use For some reason, weird. Like, no, one, no, one follows, no one that I'm friends with on Facebook would be offended by language. But. <laughs> I love it. That is a proper rant. That is proper, like... Mm. Do you know, Paul, I have a question, though. Like, what... I mean, I think the, I think the, catch, like, the catchphrase for this year in general is, like, I did my research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as soon as you said that, I was just like triggered. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was intrigued, like in so many different ways. It was like beer, and then there's influences, and then there's you know that thing that we um, gets enough attention that we probably shouldn't mention anyway. But um, but I'm interested to hear what was the other side? Why did they not feel like disclosing? Like why did they think disclosing not a not a thing? Um, essentially, it rolled down to those. Well, just like it's it's not a because it's not advertising, it's not paid advertising, and the person receiving the beers is under no obligation to post anything. Was the short, more and short of it? Which, of course, there's a huge implied, <laughs> a huge implication that you will disclose that you will write something and write something positive about it. And then, I mean, that's where the that's where the contract law stuff kind of came into it because, of course, you don't need monetary payment for there to be a contract. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> why, but is it, did, like, I, I don't know, I just kind of get it. Like, I'm like, why, wouldn't you want to be transparent as a brand and just be like, this, you know, we gave this person this beer? Yeah. I mean, on the, so on the Brunswick Beer Collective Instagram, that's, you know, so my original, to the original post, my comment was, yeah, on Brunswick Beer Collective, Collective, it's always, you know, su- supplied by a brewery under the, you know, what brewery made the beer we're writing about. And obviously wrote about how when I do more detailed posts on the city lane and the food side of things, it's always try to, rather than hide a little gifted or sponsored halfway through 20 hashtags at the bottom of the post, actually making sure you kind of fit it in naturally in the first sentence or two that it was provided to you. But there's many, there's many ways of doing it, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's. I believe that it's also it's better for everybody if if you're if you've got a follower, if your followers trust you, then they appreciate that you disclose things, and they know you disclose things. Then it's it just builds builds the trust, and it's better for the brand that is supplying you with whatever for free. Yeah, I am. I am in agreement. Like, I think integrity, despite the fact that you're on the internet, like you know, you still got to maintain your kind of integrity. So, like, my rant back to Paul was that um, I had a situation where I was working with um, uh, uh, in, this time my product was a person, so it wasn't um, wasn't a product as such. Uh, but they had talent management, and the talent talent management work on the premise of 
um, which is my least favourite way of working with anyone. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> but, um, they work on the premise of uh, we'll find you work and we'll take a cut of that work, etc., etc. So um, vested interest in, in making sure that, um, you know, that they have paid work for this person. Um, so this talent manager... Um, I was looking after the social media for this person um, and this talent manager sent me a very spicy email um, saying, how dare you disclose that was a paid partnership? Um, and I was like, mm, because it was. <laughs> and there was money exchanged for it. And uh, this talent person came back and was like, you know, you've gotten in the way of me trying to get more work for this other person because this, this person I'm pitching them to so-and-so. Um, and, uh, and I'm, you know, responded and I said, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. You should let me know what you're pitching so that we know that our things align, um, which for me was code for, I don't care. I'm following the rules, <laughs> um, but I'm happy to help you as well. So, um, so, uh, I get another spicy email return that's saying, you know, it's totally acceptable not to put it on there. Like you can just forget, um, unless this person, you know, this particular person that um, was my client wants it on there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, my response back was, yes, they do. <laughs> they do want that on there because integrity is at the core of their personal brand, you know. Um, so it's still really interesting in the landscape about how people are using channels and using brands and your face and, you know, um, and uh, to kind of get a sneaky little outcome on the back, which I am fiercely against for so many reasons, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Yeah, I think it's, you know, say seven, eight years ago, it was, there was a lot of ambiguity and nobody really knew what was going on and you could probably get away with being a bit ignorant. But you know, this this is not a new topic. There has been so much written about this and discussed about this over the years now. If you are operating in this space, there's really, I think there's no legitimate excuse to um, to be ignorant of this. Well, perhaps, perhaps if you're, I don't know, like a teenager that's just started an Instagram account that thinks you're going to make some money, look, then fair enough. But when, you know, when it's brought to your attention, I've had this a bit where I've, um, again, granted that... Um, people who I know for a fact of because not so much through beer but through the the city lane I I see a lot of the pictures come through some with you know which I accept some which I don't but then it's always interesting to see over the coming week or so everybody do their posts about the certain thing and see who discloses and doesn't and more often than not people don't and people still even when it's brought to their attention try to similar to this beer rep that happens all the time people try to justify to themselves why it's okay even though they know very well that it's not very frustrating um from i mean because i i think um i mean because i don't i I don't run the um the bbc uh, instagram so i'm less i'm less connected uh, connected with what comes through but um how how ramp how rampant is this how well, it's very interesting. I often see what happens on the beer Instagram side of things, sort of trails the food side from by a couple of years. So if I see something happen on the City Lane account or in the food Instagram world, I'll notice it will probably hit the beer 
the beer community a, a year or two later. So the first, so there's there's the whole not disclosing free freebies. You know, up until a few years ago, hardly anybody was sent any beers from breweries. Now it's you know almost every day there's something new new arriving in the mail, and it's also the um, I mean this is a different topic, but there's the whole um, not not so much fake followers, uh, but the engagement groups to get you know someone who's relatively new to Instagram will post something and in a very short amount of time they've got hundreds of likes and you know 50 to 100 comments from and you can see it's the same people just beer influencers or food influencers whatever it happens in every niche it's just all the same influencers from the same niche commenting on each other's posts which is of course very unethical i think because it's essentially you're they're they're purposely overstating the influence they actually have in order to be sent free things because a brand which, and you see it all the time, brands which don't know what's going on, they'll just be like, oh, this person gets, you know, hundreds of likes and close to 100 comments on every post. Oh, yeah, I'll send them stuff, not knowing that they're not really, majority of those comments and likes aren't going to be from people that will be legitimate customers of their product. And that's another one where people just try to justify to themselves why it's okay. But the, the argument for that tends to be, well, they're not fake followers or fake likes. These are actually all real accounts, which they are. It's like that, that doesn't matter. You know this is creating a misleading image and you know why you are creating that misleading image. But Yeah, yeah you're getting that kind of like echo chamber because it's just the same people commenting on the same things. Oh, my God. And, wow, I need to try this. <laughs> and and, and I think that it, it's such a... And in, in when we have such a um, uh, rich market, I suppose, for beer um, and so many different voices out there in terms of what's been created and people making really interesting things, it's a, it, it's a question of um, if we're only get, being fed the same things because um, whoever has the most money gets, a, gets a, their voice across first, then what's, what are people missing out on, I suppose? There's a lot of great content and legitimate stuff that gets pushed to the bottom of people's feeds. Mariana, Mariella, what's your experience with, um, um, and you don't have to name breweries, um, but what, what's your experience and take on this? Do you know what the um, influencer, um, I guess the influencer market's a really interesting market, right? You know, I've worked with influencers, you know, and um, full disclosure, I've worked with Paul, although we've never exchanged We've never exchanged money. Sorry, Paul. I've never used used my budgets on you, dude. I'm sorry. You did send some some wine some my way last year. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. I was going to say, I think I may have sent you wine, Um, (laughs) which was actually a really cool initiative, actually. So we did a lot of... uh, a little, a lot of influencer outreach um, for a wine collective. We, what we did is that we built the biggest um, online store for an entire wine region in Australia, so you could actually get wines from, um, you know, this entire region packaged up and sent straight to you. So it was, it's, it's still the biggest to date, which is um, pretty amazing. We had about 25, 25 wineries participate. I think we only had about four or five that did it. Um, because they were just like, oh, this e-commerce thing's not going to take off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, which is, you know, it's been interesting. It's, 
it's funny, I, I say this story all the time where um, when I started my business uh, about eight years ago, I used to say to people that marketing, the digital allowed for marketing and sales not to be mutually exclusive. Like, you know, back in the day when it was like marketing was over there and sales was over there and the sales team would grumble at the marketing team because they spent too much money and then the marketing team were like, why don't you just make more money? And they used to like be these like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there used to be these cultural odds of like, they're the, they're the money wasters and, you know. Mm. The salespeople, the schmucks, you know. Um, so I used to say to people, well, you know, in digital, you can have both, right? Like you can actually do growth marketing. Um, and this was eight years ago and everyone thought I was an absolute kook. Like everyone was just like, she's, she is, she's lost it. So it was really nice in 2020 um, when I didn't realise that all I needed to do was bring in a pandemic and people would be like, yeah, let's go digital. <laughs> I mean, if, it, if that's all it took, I would have done it 10 years ago. Like, you know, um, I was like, I've been busting my chops for 10 years trying to sell this stuff to people. Um, so it was really interesting in, in 2020 seeing that kind of come in. And I think in 2020 there was a really big burst of people um, that hadn't worked with influencers before that were kind of going out to, to work with influencers. Um it's interesting from both sides. So, um, you know, Paul, you're on the other side of obviously, you know, people come to you because you've got an incredible market, you've got an incredible product. Um, it's really interesting on the other side where it's like you are working with influencers and going through contracts and trying to work things out. Um, there are some influencers that ask for some really dodgy stuff. Like there is, so, you know, it's kind of a weird marketplace of both where it's, there are some brands that go out there and um, try and rig a message, um, and then there are there are also some influencers that kind of try and do some dodgy stuff. Yeah, the rigging, the change, the message from the from the PR view to the influencers is, is quite a funny one as well. I think a lot of people who maybe are, are happy to jump up and down and say, "Oh, dodgy influencers, dodgy influencers," don't realise the pressure that comes from the other side as well. So one of my yeah. other rants earlier in the year that I actually screenshotted a bunch of emails and put them on my personal Facebook was I was saying this, this happens quite often as well. Not, I mean, the rants happen quite often too, but um, <laughs> clearly. But um, this was essentially, yeah, we want you to, we're representing this business. We want you to come in and try this. And what we expect in return, you know, as a post, a story, a positive Google review, positive this, and it's like, and, my, and I, I usually I just ignore, but this time I sort of snapped back and was like, "Yeah, you can't demand a, or you're demanding positive Google reviews. Like, how how can I expect? How can you? How can I? Let's say just I said, um, how you know? How can I um, promise you all this when I haven't tried the product? I can't give you a positive Google review. I don't know if I like it. And then then they tried to step back, saying, "Oh, we didn't actually mean what we meant was this." And it's like, no, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> You meant exactly yeah. what you said. Like, you're not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Like, come on. But it's still, the PR oh, yeah, piece well, is interesting. yeah we'll, we'll think about our wording in the future and then, of course, they don't. Yeah. The, the PR piece is really interesting because on, on client side, um, sometimes, so, for example, in, in a particular campaign that I was working on, I got a list of influencers um, because that was the job of, of my PR team. And I was said to them, go and find me some influencers. The aim of the game is not for likes. So you've got to be really clear about what your objective is, right? I was like, I don't want likes. I mean, eyeballs, lovely, but I can get eyeballs through advertising. So what I want to do is, you know, um, 
work with people who understand the, the, the beauty of what we're trying to do, um, but also at the end of the day are going to move my product. So I actually want people who are going to get me an outcome because that's the whole premise of, of the work that I do. So um, it was really interesting to see what PR comes back with. You know, a lot of it was names and they were like, oh, and this is why kind of thing. Um, and they would just give me the follower numbers. Now, I, I'm not an idiot. Like, I know I can read follower numbers, right? So, but at no point did they give me engagement. Did they tell me what it's like to work with this other person? What's their style? Will they shoot it themselves? Like, how can we actually build a relationship so that it's not just a one and done? It's like, let's actually find out about this um, this influencer. Like, in you know, in the case of, of Paul, and I do know Paul, so... Um, for me, it's a no-brainer because, you know, his integrity is right, his audience is exactly the kind of audience that I want to speak to. Um, and also, he, he won't BS us. Like, if he if he doesn't think it's good, like, I think he would probably go on a rant. No. <laughs> he'd tell me, right? Like, he'd, I think yeah. I trust the fact that he'd send me an email and say, do you know what, I or myself or the PR person, you know what, that actually didn't work for me or you know, for whatever reason. And that feedback's really important too because um, it's the customer experience that you're trying to give somebody. So I think when it comes to working with influencers, the best thing you can do, in my experience, at, at a very, like, granular, organic level is actually get to know them a little bit and what are they about, what are they trying to achieve. Is it a good partnership, bef- you know, before then you start getting to the contractual, contractual stuff where... Um, it started to get a lot more serious now since 2020. Um, and we will see a lot more influencers fall on their sword when they don't actually disclose um, paid partnerships or back deals or et cetera. There's so many bad examples. It's it's phenomenal. But what uh, I, I th- what from, from the perspective of, say, uh, from the influencer perspective, what are the... What are the like the repercussions for not not disclosing? I suppose. Well, I think that's the biggest um, issues. In the majority of cases, none. Mm. And that's why mm. it's hard to see. I mean, there there are some big names. There was one recently. I think someone from fashion Instagrammer did something for Samsung and got done and got actually got fined. But it was. But yeah, that's far and few. But but between the most of the time, you see it happen. You have a rant and, you know, someone like John Lethman as it does his couscous for comment things, sometimes really calls some people out. But more often than not, the majority of the wider audience doesn't really see it or care. I think maybe they would care if they knew, but there's no way to get that message across, which is, for me, that's that's the ultimate frustration. Is this, this, this has been happening for years and nothing really, there are no repercussions for the most part. Yeah. Things are changing, though. So you've got, um, I think the thing, so I do want to explain this going back to my earlier story I told you about this talent manager. I could have sent this talent manager an email explaining all the different rules that you have to abide by when you're advertising, right? And I say advertising in little kind of commas because, you know, someone will always say, well, we didn't pay for it or whatever. It's just free produce. You know, it's just we gave them something. And it's like, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, tap on the nose, we gave you something. Um, and then, you know, the marketers sit around following you. You get a follow from this brand really randomly. They just sit around and they wait. Um, 
but there's 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 a there's a lot of gates that you have to take into consideration. Like you know, the Australian Competition and um, Consumer Commission is one that in twenty twenty has come out with um, uh, with a rule that you have to disclose that if you've been paid or you've been gifted a product, or you're going to face penalties from like five hundred thousand to like ten million for corporations. And that came out in like twenty early twenty twenty last year. So. Um, it, there's a lot. There's the Australian Consumer Law as well, which is the ACL. Um, but I think the bit that people forget, and this is the thing that as a, as a marketer for me, it's just kind of like I don't know how you're forgetting this bit, is that Facebook, which owns the entity of, you know, Facebook pretty much owns the internet basically. But, you know, Facebook and Instagram, um, they have really strong um, guidelines, and if you breach them, they'll take you down. And we've seen that many times. So to me, it doesn't make sense as to why you would spend so many years building and, and working and creating content to put it at risk by not disclosing because you're essentially building on borrowed land, right? And at any moment, that land, it doesn't take much to get taken down now. Um, you all only need to do, like I think roughly it's like, a couple of complaints and you get someone's attention to be taken down. So it's it's murky, but why would you risk it is my question in terms of the influences. And so for this, this beer rep, it's like why would you put your brand at risk? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I guess especially when you look at it from an integrity standpoint. Like you know, I follow quite a few beer Instagrammers and they – tend to outlay that they've been given stuff. But, you know, if there was someone that I followed that's like, oh, you know, everything's good always or, you know, beers that I've had that I know have faults or something like that that have positive reviews on certain things and it's just everything is a positive review because they've been given a product, which then makes you can't trust them if, you know, if it then comes out that they've been given all this stuff how has that influenced every single post you've ever seen from them? Yeah. And you can always, I mean, constructive criticism is a good thing. Even if it's not, if something's just, I find from my point of view, like I'm very selective about what I accept anyway. So the chances of me saying yes to something and then it being bad are actually quite small. It does happen. And in that in- instance, yeah, I would, I would not post and I would contact the person and say, look, not posting anything. This is why. And, Gen- generally speaking, people appreciate the constructive feedback. Sometimes they are, yeah, thanks, and then you never hear from them ever again. But um, but generally, there's a generally there's a silver lining. So if it might be a new brewery that'll s- send something, and you know their beers are fine, or you know there's one that was great, one that was not so great, and you can kind of point say, you know, it was fine. You know, they're on the right track, decide to see what they do. Like, you don't have to say everything is amazing. Mm. There's always that nugget of gold. It, it almost feels like the societal um, thing of, you know how when you're at school you would always get the, um, or it seems like everyone gets the, um, these days, the, um, like, a certificate, uh, basically a um, good effort badge. <laughs> but, yeah. It's 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 the it's the it's the um, um, it, but it's difficult to trust when everyone has a good effort. 
the participation award. That's yay, what I was looking it. for. <laughs> Woo, you yay. turned up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Um, do you know what? It, it is It is funny. It is really interesting to see a lot of influences when you're right, Kyle. It's like everything is awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, it's like you're like, is it though? You know, I um, uh, it, I, do you know what? I think there's also micro influences that haven't been taken into account with the people that don't have big public personas but can actually sway like big, big focus. Like um, there's always one and if you always look at your friends and I'm, and I'm willing to bet that this actually happens to to the four of you and you can tell me if I'm wrong. You, I've actually genuinely questioned for the four of you. It's like how many of your friends come to you and go, I'm at the bottle shop, what should I buy? <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's 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 happened a couple of times, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's 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 pretty common. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah um, I'm, I'm willing to bet it was like a hundred percent hit rate, right? But yeah. It's, but and I mean, I know that you've got a platform and and all this kind of stuff, but it's actually happening, you know, via text and and so there's a lot of like influence happening beyond these platforms. Um, and I, and I find that really interesting that a lot of marketing forget to kind of take that into consideration. Um, but going back to this, to this thing about uh, influencers that are always saying that everything is awesome, like there comes a point where you just go, yeah, of course, they're always flogging me stuff. Like the Kardashians of this world, you know, they're always flogging you something. They're always, you know, out to make a buck. It, you know, whatever they post, you're like... M- mostly Pepsi. <laughs> well, it ends it, world peace. I oh, know, end world violence. I sorry. <laughs> and lipsticks, and there's like it's it's just it, they are just one continuous advertising stream, right? So do you go there for you know uplifting, intelligent content? Like not always. Um, so it's it's really interesting. You start getting pigeonholed in that kind of areas. I I am very much about like you you got to call it for what it is. I um. I had a um, had an event with a sommelier a little while ago, and uh, she'd spent an incredible amount of time um, selecting these wines. And she asked me what it tasted like, and I was like, "Do I do I do I go down the path of oh, everything is awesome, or do I just <laughs> tell her the truth?" And uh, and I just told her the truth. I said it tastes like dusty wardrobe, <laughs> and uh, and she was like, "Okay." <laughs> She's like, I can see that. It was like, it's a scientific tasting note. But, uh, yeah, you know, be, be really honest because that also adds a dimension to your um, to your brand. And uh, you don't have to be rude, but you can be, um, you know. Honest. Honest. Yeah. Because it's, it's yeah, something I that can happen with, like, with faults. Like, that bottle might genuinely have been a fault. And if you cracked open a new one, you might have got completely different tasting notes. And if you don't say anything, you don't have the chance to potentially do that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what, with faults, I've always wondered this, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but if you were at a pub and you know that the lines are dirty, would you say something? Oh, Carl, you've got that great story. <sighs> oh, my God, there's I... a sigh. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I've run venues for ages and, like, I have done hundreds of line cleans and it is a very simple thing it just takes time but i can't you know you sometimes you just get there and you know the lines are dirty but it's like it doesn't work if you say something it doesn't work you just put yourself on a collision course 
and it's better that you just go, well, look, this is most of the time it befits the pub. You know, it's kind of grungy or something. And yeah, maybe you switch to a different drink if you don't <laughs> like the beers. But yeah, I've found that every time it's been mentioned, unless I know the person running the pub, it just goes nowhere. <laughs> is it the equivalent of telling like someone with a newborn that their baby's ugly? Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the classic thing of walking up to the bar manager and going, "Hey, I hate to be that guy." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know what? I just uh, just curious. I wouldn't. I, I'm the same. I just wouldn't say just because you know. I'd be like, oh, I'll have something from the fridge instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've definitely had stuff where I've had beers that have been off, and it's not a line thing. And I've mentioned that, and that is a bit more, you know, it's it's taken a bit more seriously. Um, but yeah. yeah, well, the ven- the, ven- the venue's got an out in that situation. They can just say like, you know, the keg was dodgy or whatever. Like in the lines, like this is your responsibility. Yeah, this is your like, fault. Fuck up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. And do you know what? The reason why I ask you this is because there's what we're essentially talking about is like a code of conduct, right? is like there's this cultural code of conduct of don't be a dickhead, like, mm. you know, and, and what we're willing to do to not be a dickhead. And to take this back to topic, that construct still exists within digital channels. Like every single digital channel has its own culture, right? So um, disclosure matters. Like it matters for legality's sake, for, you know, guidelines sake and all this, it's, you know, all these kind of um, other areas. But at the core of it, it matters because if you care about the people that follow you, as you should, rather than just trying to make cash off them, like if you really care about them, you'll disclose because you protect them, you know, and you care about them and you do it in a way that is authentic Um and then wouldn't you want to breed and work with people who have that, you know, within it? So I find well, really I mean, surprising. That's probably, right. probably why I jumped on Paul's... Paul's uh... Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, you broke up there. I wasn't sure if you're still talking or not. Um, no, I think, going, <laughs> yeah, going back to the that original rant, it, you know, when it, I stopped talking to that person, it was sort of like, look, you know, I've outlined all the legal stuff all the code of conduct and everything but at the end of the day like read the room do the right thing like simple really yeah and you know we're talking about it because i know that they're um that they're um that they were sales within this business it's not worth a cheap sale if you're losing out so many as well like that's just a cheap sale like that's just that's just the equivalent of like i walked into dan murphy's and i just saw the first beer on that was presented to me and that's what I took, and it was on special. But that doesn't, bre- you know, that doesn't breed love and and respect and like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like influence and and loyalty. Like, if you're like, actually, as a company, we will always tell you what we're doing. I'm like, that's the at the core of craft beer. When we talk about craft beer community, like, that's at the core of it. Anyway, give me that sales rep's number, Paul. I'll give him a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I definitely think, um, yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head that um, in uh, when craft beer is essentially 
it's about relationships with people. Um, and, you know, we, uh, every one of us has, um, uh, know, knows many brewers and reps very, very, very well. And we know that their jobs are relationships and we have, we have like strong relationships with breweries and the last thing you want to do is it's, it's like being lied to by a family member. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> do you know what? I had this incredible debate on Twitter about someone who's a bit, bit of a controversial topic, but we were talking about the sale of a particular company to uh, to another big gigantic company, which and, never um, happens. Never happens. Which yeah. never, never. Do you know? But it's really interesting because in the beer industry, like the the two differences, right? When I work with tech, that is like freedom day. Mm. That is like, you know, fireworks. That's the, they have, they have the biggest parties, right? But when you work, when I work with beer, I get involved in the beer industry. They're like, they lied to me. They lied to me. And I'm like, I was like, and now look, I'm not condoning and saying that there should be a a duopoly or or any of that kind of stuff. But, um, but the differences is really, really interesting. Um, And I think you're right. Like, it's like, how do we kind of keep that kind of, love that we because it is all relationships right and it's a community and whether you know them or you don't know them it's it's always the the story you fall in love with the story of of the you know the person or their story of how they got started with beer um before you kind of fall in love with their product nothing wrong with mitsubishi beers Oh, wait, wait, just slightly off topic there. How far does someone specific like uh, who owns? I mean, I always think of Thirty Rock when I think of them. Like, uh, uh, like you, you, NBC was owned by the Wig Company, um, but um, who owns is like Lion owned by Mitsubishi or something? Is that Lion how it is works? owned by Kieran? Is owned by Mitsubishi. That's right. It's <laughs> amazing and bizarre. Uh, makes me kind of happy and a little bit sad simultaneously. Um, so I want to touch on one, uh, um, we could go on about influence for days, but I want to touch on one more topic, which, um, I didn't put in the notes, but, um, I think is kind of important and it kind of, it changes the landscape slightly. So earlier this year we had, we had both, um, uh, craft beer, um, CBC, Facebook group and beer thread both get knocked off, uh, both get banned off Facebook. Um, and it's uh, look. I mean, some it's it was it came as a shock for me mostly because I didn't realize how much of my Facebook feed was just pictures of people with beer. Uh, but I suppose what do, how does everyone uh, how does everyone feel about that? But also, how has that affected your buying practices? I I don't think for me it really influenced my stuff that much it was always just interesting to see what people were drinking and there was you know a decent disc a pretty good discourse in them um it's always hard with those facebook group takedowns because a lot of it is just auto moderate like auto moderation that is maybe flagged something from if the group like beer thread is what five six seven years old yeah 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 so you know people might have been saying stuff in that that you know, maybe was fine back then, but isn't fine now, or it just picks up keywords. Um, I certainly see a lot less pictures of beer on my Facebook. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I don't think I sort of, yeah, I kind of used it just to sort of like, you know, sort of 
get a bit of a kick out of people enjoying like, you know, early knockoffs and stuff like that. But I won't say I sort of ever really sort of saw something and went like, oh, I must go out and get that thing and stuff like that. And, and to be honest, yeah, I kind of don't even really know, didn't really sort of dug into why they got taken down. And I'm sure it's, yeah, it's some sort of uh, tech, well, maybe more than technicality. Don't, I'm not going to comment on that. But yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think similarly, I, I now see more photos of like, you know, people's children and stuff on Facebook. And I'm, I'm not sure I'm how happy I am about that either. So, you know, so. <laughs> You know, that must yeah. be really upsetting when you're like, ah, oh, is that ugly baby again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what it is? This is such a meaty topic, right? Because, I mean, you know, that group was taken down. But you uh, also remember when um, the news was like uh, news outlets mm, mm. Um, yeah. or like media news orga- organisations were taken down as well. Like, you know, um, I loved it. Uh, not not th- that they were going through that pain. But, you know, I loved it in the sense that it really showed us that we are building communities and in, in, on platforms that are not, that don't belong to us. Mm. And if your strategy is literally just Facebook and, and Instagram or, or whatever it is, like you're, you're miles behind because, you know, it shouldn't be when you're taken down that you're like, no, give us your email addresses. Like, <laughs> no, like this should be, that should be something that goes, um, uh, that you should take into consideration. Like the one thing you do own is your website and your data and all that kind of stuff. So that was really, really interesting. The interesting thing about groups is that Facebook has, you got to remember they are an organisation, media organisation. They are trying to make money uh, from your own data and advertising. So they really clamped down on groups because it was this massive loophole that they had um, that was free. Like it was almost algorithm free too. So like you could actually see things as, as they happened. Um, and so it was this kind of like OG Facebook, you know, what it used to be when, when everyone jumped on because like you could actually see things and you could engage and find your own kind of niche and little communities. They're a little bit slow in kind of, they're a little bit slow in kind of monetizing that. So they were so they were like right we're going to clamp down really hard on it so that we bring you back to creating content within feeds right because that's they're in the business of that. What I am seeing that I think is really interesting, um, and I think that this will probably start to happen in food and beer and wine a little bit later on, is that there are other apps that are being used by um, you know emerging tech. Like, you know, when we start looking at blockchain and NFTs and all that kind of stuff, um, a lot of them are actually building communities on Discord. Um, and so what I think will, and, you know, gaming as well, like, you know, it's going to, to Twitch and, and et cetera. But, um, uh, but I think what we're going to see is that we're going to see less happening in these platforms and like that kind of... Um, that kind of organic, you know, the very start, like when we started talking about Good Beer Week, how it started around Table Between Mates, like we're going to start to see that happening in other platforms as well. Uh, but in terms of affecting, you know, my beer purchasing, I we've done so much research on this uh, in my company and your biggest sale of beer is, is, is accessibility. Like it is, you can put so much money behind branding and advertising and marketing and if it's not accessible, it's just it's it goes in the too hard basket. So how before um, Facebook buys Discord? <laughs> <laughs> not long. <laughs> not if uh, Mitsubishi might get in there first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the interesting what you're saying about the accessibility, it's a, again, it's like you know, off topics, not that anything being off topic has ever stopped us before on this no. podcast. Um, is, yeah, when you get new a new brewery that starts and they launch a core range and you get all the beer nerds get up and, oh, this brewery's crap, oh, their beers are boring. It's, it's like, no, they're, they need to build a business. So they are doing an acceptable, an accessible, quality, consistent core range first, not going down the, um, well, I, I think um, nobody, you know, everyone involved in Moondog would, would also agree that the, the plan of just creating crazy beers and having no core range nonstop is um, it's fun, but it's not it's not how you build a business. It's not exactly sustainable. When everyone gets serious about really building a sustainable business, they get that accessible core range, right? And you know what, this is really interesting because it, it is this juggle, right? Like, um, you know, I, I going back to my own rant on Twitter where I was having a rant with someone where they were like, oh, and they've sold out to these big monopolies and rah, rah, rah. And I was just like, yes, like that's an awesome exit, right? Like I'm like, that is a, that's a success. And they're like, no, this is a, a disaster for the beer industry. And I was like, no, it's a great thing because – it's in when we're talking about the business. I mean, look, I'm saying a great thing. It, that is very blanket statement. There are some bits that I'm like, it, it, it's good up to here, and then there's some bits that I'm like, mm, mm, I'm not, I don't know about that bit. But um, but it's 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 good for the business of beer, um, and I think that that kind of gets tends to be forgotten because we're so passionate about it, right? Um, and it's also the human behavior of like, give me more, give me more, give me experiment with more and, and, and do all this. Uh, like we see it in restaurants, right? Like, um, you know, a uh, new restaurant, like particularly in Melbourne, new restaurant, everyone flocks to it until the next restaurant. And then everyone flocks to the next restaurant. And then the old trustees that have been there for like, you know, 10 years, people are like, Oh, you know, oh, that was so 10 years ago, but there's still places you take your mum for her birthday, you know? So it's this kind of really interesting juggle of um, the the passion that we have and and the innovation that happens in beer, but also it's still really necessary as well to to be accessible and have your core range because if I love you as a brand, like that's I'll I'll find you and I'll drink you, you know. So yeah, it's a fascinating like rabbit hole of of the world of the business of beer that I think kind of gets tends to be forgotten in the front end. I think Chris, when we put the, um, when we put the caption for this episode up, anyone who's interested more on that topic will link you through to the podcast episode we did with Tony from Luganitas a few years back when he had just oh, sold yeah, to the remaining Heineken. 50% to Heineken. Cause that was a really good, episode and Tony had a lot of, um, I know we learnt a lot about sort of why someone might sell, which is what a lot of people don't think about how mm, running mm. this impacts the individual and the pressures of that. But yeah. So we'll, we'll, link, we'll link to that episode, the caption of it. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, the last, because uh, I know we probably should move on, but the last thing I always think about is with with people selling, whenever someone sells a brewery, I think about um, the article that came out when Feral sold um, to Coca Cola, and uh, all I remember reading was um, uh, just um, and you see this for see this for multiple people, but the one thing that the uh, the the head like the owner said was, um, I just I'm just tired of going um, 
wondering when where where the next dollar is going to come from. Wondering if I'm going to get paid. I'm just I just want to live again. And it, it, that hit me quite hard when I read it. And I think that's the thing that we also forget about with art, um, with passion yeah. stuff. Yeah, I recall the this. I recall the feral sale with him saying he couldn't make payroll or like was taking out loans to make payroll. So you kind of like, do you want feral to exist in a different way or do you just want it to like kind of fall apart? Mm. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting discussion and a topic, right? Like it is, I'm really excited to see what happens to some of these smaller breweries that have reached a particular point, like, you know, Two Birds, like I'm really excited to see what Two Birds does when they are adequately resourced you know, when you're not hustling to make a next buck, when you can actually, like, pause and go, what can I actually do? Like, how does that brand innovate? How does it grow? I'm really excited to see what happens there. And same with fixation as well. Like, what happens when um, you're not in, you know, as a business owner, and, and I share this uh, with people so willingly, like, it, you, you're always running in a scarcity mindset, right, where it's just like you're hustling because you, you've got targets and, and you've got targets and, and every year those targets get bigger and bigger. Um, but what happens if someone was like, don't worry, we got you back? Or, you know, like I would be like, whoa, and then go and create crazy things. I do love the idea of that now, thinking about it with um, with fixation, with the money behind that that beer has very much the potential be, to become the largest mainstream IPA in Australia. Yep. Yeah, and that's something really cool, like knowing Tommy and seeing that and then like all those guys, they'll get to do some really fun stuff now they've got money. Yeah, that's super, that excites me. Like I, I love fixation. Like I am like, I absolutely love them and I love like how passionate um, they are. But like how exciting as well that potentially this opens an export market for fixation, right? Like, like how awesome is that? Like I'm so heavily fixed, and this is a very biased thing, but I'm so heavily fixed on like we, we kind of look to to America and, and, and Europe sometimes, you know, in line with us look to Europe. But I'm like, we've actually got all that we kind of need here in Australia. Um, you know, in terms of wine, like climate, we've, we've got a continent that the climates, you know, of – Europe and the States and, and even Argentina. And, um, and so I'm like, that's always really exciting. But how cool is it that maybe this will open up like a pathway where we're actually selling to the world and the world's kind of starting to look to Australia and go, they're doing some really cool shit down there. Like, you know, that's the thing that um, these duopolies will never win on, I think, in terms of the craft beer is that, you know, they're big tankers and some some of the smaller craft breweries are on speedboats. And so if you want to turn a big tanker, like, you know, it's going to take, it's going to take a long time. Um, but these speedboats can, can do some and do some incredible manoeuvres and um, innovate our industry in ways that I can't wait to see what happens next. You make an excellent, excellent point that I hadn't even thought of. And I really like the, <laughs> I, I really like the boat metaphor. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I'm full of pick the person in marketing. Tell me you're in marketing without telling me you're in marketing. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we could go for uh, go for days, but we, we've uh, we've thrown a lot of questions at you, 
Mariala, do you have any questions for us before we let you go off and um, nurse your hangover? <laughs> How do you get over a hangover? Is the first one. <laughs> Having a big hangover is like a big boat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm in a. Do you know what? I talk about boats. I feel like I'm in a tinny in the middle of a storm. <laughs> um, do you know what? I have a billion questions for you, which I think I'm going to actually, if it's okay with with all of you, I'm going to email them to you for potential topics in 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 the uh, in the future for the podcast. Um, but I just want to say it's been um, it's been awesome to chat, and it's um. It always warms my heart when people share the love of produce and especially Australian um, produce. So thank you so much for continuing to um, promote and highlight and spotlight our incredible producers in Australia. That um, that warms my heart. Oh, you bring on the tears now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> COVID tears. Everyone's a bit sensitive. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we will we look forward to your list of questions, um, you know, because they're emails, and we can politely um, politely say no, we're not touching that. Uh. <laughs> it was a this one was a paid question. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag gifted. Um, well, we we will let you go, and we'll take a break, and then we'll be back with two very important beers. And we are back. And um, okay, so if that um, you'll be uh, you'll be hearing this, and it'll be just after um, uh, just after Oktoberfest, or at least what everyone in Australia seems to be celebrating is Oktoberfest. Um, and in honour of that, we thought we'd drink some original Hells or some Hells or some Hells Lager. Is is Hells actually how you say it? It's Hells, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it's I believe it's Alice, or at least that's how I've said it all the time. That's yeah. that's what I would have assumed as well, but maybe next time we get a German person on this thing to tell us the answer. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I distinctly remember um always saying um Lowenbrau until a German person told me it's actually Lovenbra. Lovenbra. And it was like, all oh, right, yeah, 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 that, that was a that was a fuck up, yeah. I find I found that out at Oktoberfest. I was at the Spartan Brow team with some Germans, and they're like, "Oh yeah, what did you get up to yesterday?" It's like, "Oh, we're at the Long we're at the Long Brow tent." They're like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, you know, the Long Brow tent. They're like, "We have no idea what you're talking about." It's like, you know, the big tent, the lion. They're like, "Ah, Long Brow." It's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but then you get in that weird situation whenever you go to a bar now. You're like. In Australia, it's like, do I say it? Do you say it the way that you know that the Australian bartender probably knows, or do you say it properly? Then you get a weird look from the Australian bartender. Mm, mm. I think this goes back to the conversation earlier about the lines. Just, just don't be that guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> real well, bro. Make, make it, make, just make, just make everyone's life easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do, I do feel like it's really interesting that, um, and. I don't know if they always did it, and it was just that it's just that because it's everything's stuck at home, um, or whether you know whether whether people are really getting on board. But every it seems like so many people are doing like big Oktoberfest beers this year. Yeah, because I mean Burnley's always, you know, Michael's always done that amazing tasting thing. 
mm. that I've done it this year, but I was really, it's, uh, it's a shame to not be able to go to the brewery this time around and drink them in the bar because that's always fun. Mm. Mm. Um, stomping Grounds, so I didn't know they, I, I didn't know they did it before. So they sent a um, hashtag gifted to Brunswick <laughs> Beer Collective, a box of their, box of their um, you know, takes on the, the different styles. And uh, they were all really good. And I thought, oh, it's cool that they're doing it. And then it seems like they've actually done it several years in pre- mm. at various times in the past. I just never had attention. No, no. But, but you're right. It seems, at least may- maybe because it's all packaged this year, it just seems more visible. Whereas maybe a lot of the times it was just, you know, brewery only for the event or something. Mm, mm. It's possible. Yep. Potentially, and I, yeah, I think I think the packs becoming more prevalent is part of that. Like it's in package now because it just has to be. Um, but also, I think doing the packs is a very smart marketing decision because you're like, what have we been doing for the last eighteen months? We've been drinking at home, like on Zoom with people, but having like a actual like curated event, like it, it just makes it a little bit different, which is, you know. We're all looking for a bit different at the moment. Mm. Yeah, true that. So yeah, I mean, it's what they did do exceptionally well with the um, the Gabs package, which is just like sort of four beers, all of which weren't some of which actually weren't that good. They just sort of went too far out the experimental spectrum. But I do agree that having a thing, I think some of the like we've had like the Carwin boxes and stuff, which have been quite good. And mm. yeah, here's a box, bunch of stuff that you wouldn't think of to get at the same time, and let's just make your life easier for you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if anyone from Gabs is listening, I, I would, uh, I think, I think, I think the the Gabs box is a great idea, but I think it should be, um, they should go for the, like I know Pinot Palooza, Palooza for example, they did like the yeah. one fifty mil cans. Yeah, they nailed that. That was awesome because that salt and vinegar chip beer was like it was, it was a fantastic Gabs beer. It nailed the brief, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this much of it. Like yeah, <laughs> get through a three seventy five mil can of it. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta you gotta choose the right beers for those packs. Like, go a little out there, but not the ones that are people are gonna buy because they're dumb. Like, I, I am always guilty of it at Gabs. There'll be like three or four beers that I'm like, this is gonna be potentially very bad, but I need to try it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was told that the um, so uh, you know how um, at Gabs I had the. Uh, Wayward did a Powerade knockoff, the um, Berryade or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was like the bright blue one, and um, I, I I remember having it. And it's like this is just right, and then that, uh, and then I said to someone, oh yeah yeah, because um, they put it in cans. I said to someone, oh yeah, did you uh, did you have any? He goes like, I got through half of it. That was as far as I could get. And I feel like that's probably it's probably one of those beers where that was maybe it, it was best to keep in a. Keeping an eighty milk taster. Yeah, some of them are great for just going. Well, I got a taster. Does everyone at the table want to try this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although probably not the uh, safest thing to do now in a in a COVID world. Yeah. No. Um. Well, I guess we need to actually. Although I did enjoy that normal, but I guess we need to, um, you know, to uh, talk about what we're actually drinking right now, um, which is. Uh, does someone else want to uh, want to um, attempt to um, say it properly? Uh, the wine, Stefana. Wine. I looked it up before. Is that wine or, or, or vine? <laughs> vine, 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 Stefana. I was going to say, how do you pronounce the W? 
Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's the classic V. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I know I say this wrong, so I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I was at Glue earlier today. I should have just got Rahel to say a bunch of things and I could have played it back. True. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so it's the Weinstefana. It's the original Hellas. Yes. Um, it's from the world's oldest brewery, according to the bottle. Um, since 1040. Yeah, so they, uh, they, uh, they've definitely got a core range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, guys, ni- 19 years, Germany, a uh, thousand-year anniversary of Weinstefana. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, wow. Boom. Surely that would have to be a big celebration. Oh, yeah, we'll record season 50 there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll be, be we'll be beyond fifty by that point, especially if we're doing it once a week, one season a week. Um, has everyone had a sip? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. What What are our first impressions? What do we What do we think? I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 a hell's. This is look up hell's in the dictionary. This is what you'll find. Yeah, it's pretty classic, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's it's clean, it's smooth, it's it's nice. Yeah, definitely what it says on the yeah. can or bottle. Though, as Kyle said, they are now doing cans. Yeah, in, in my looking up stuff about this, um, I came across both cans and 330ml bottles, which is weird. Mm. Yeah, right. I, yeah, only associate this with the 500ml glass bottles. Yeah. Um, which are very cool. Um. Uh, though that I did have, um, so my local my local IGA got them in, and that um, they posted on their like their, their, on their little um, feed about it, and that um, everyone everyone saw the bottles and thought they were one liter bottles. That because and and um, I, I totally get until you actually um, see it, you think, hey, that that could be a liter, couldn't it? And then you see it up close, it's like, no, that's five hundred pounds. Yeah, we well, put that next to it, you know. Classic 500 mil can that a lot of the breweries are doing. It looks a lot bigger. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I mean, yeah. they're surprisingly um, it's surpri- they're surprisingly well well stocked. So I mean, we got these in a combination of Carwin and Purvis, but like they're all over the place. The IGAs have them. I've seen them at you know random little delis and stuff. But I'm actually surprised. Like a lot of people must drink these beers. Yeah, the German stuff is always heaps at um. Like, at least a lot of the classic ones are always very available at Dan Murphy's as well. Like, all the all of these, the Weihand Stefaner stuff, the um, Schofferhofer, and I think it's, yeah, Love and Brow, all those guys kind of, there is a small section, and I guess it's very traditional beer, so yeah. it's not as hard to sell. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, it was one of my, their, their, um, Oh, mind blank. Gosh. Um, wheat beer. Yeah. They, um, that, um, that was one of my first forays into craft beer. Like, I remember I was really into, like, Who Garden. And that was one of my first yeah. uh, forays into craft beer. And I went to um, the International Beer Shop in Perth, which at the time was in West Leaderville, which is now in Leaderville. But the new people that owned that spot, also have a different craft beer shop, so it's still a very good craft beer shop, even though it's different owners there. And um, yeah, they were just like, I was like, I've heard about these on the internet. Like, oh yeah, like if you like Who Garden, you've got to try 
this, and I remember just being blown away by that because there's the different. There's the blue one, then there's like the green one. There's like three different kinds of wheat beer, and you drink them, and you're like, oh wow, like mind blown. Yeah, you should. They said, considering they are all very much a similar base, and yeah, ingredient use, it's wild how different they are. Yeah, so I've, yeah, I still probably really like yeah their, their wheat beers, but I don't really yeah the Hellers is I've, I think I've had it once before according to my Untapped in 2014, but I'm not one that I really you know, go to regularly. The um, interesting side note, um, Vestavana is a state-owned enterprise. It's owned by the country. Oh. All right. No wonder it's still around after all this time. Yeah. Um, and this is according to Wikipedia, so um, people write in and tell, tell me if I'm wrong or if Wikipedia is wrong, but um, um, apparently, um, according to Wikipedia, the brewery advertises itself as the world's oldest brewery, although this claim is disputed. Um, and, yeah, it's type, it's a state-owned enterprise. Yeah, I mean, that strikes me as the sort of thing that on Wikipedia that would get corrected immediately if it was incorrect. So I think, I think I'm think i happy to take that one on, uh, on, on face value. <laughs> yeah. um, Not likely that remains uncorrected for long. No, no, it's true, it's true. So, yeah, from, from, what I can, from what I've been told, I think not just oldest, I think it's the, well, I think the thing they go for is it's the oldest continually running brewery in the world. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you reckon they were making? I'm sure the intent can tell us this. Do you reckon they were making like um, Hellas beer back then, or was it all you know farmhouse? Oh, I don't know. It's it's Bavaria, so yeah, good potentially. Point. You know, it could be. I think it has its base in uh, an abbey or a monastery or something like that. So, although. It was probably ale back then. Like, I don't know. Like, when did they start making? Because lagers, like, cold ferment would have been harder to do back in the, the you know, whenever in 1040. And so, I don't, yeah, it's interesting. It's a good question. Hmm. The internet's probably got the answers. But in the meantime, should we... Probably. Should, should we see what other people think about this beer? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure ah, out. Sure. Yeah, Benedictine Monastery. Good old Benedictine mugs. Um, so I've got a, two of these that um, I'll do back to back just because they are very, like, very dichotomous. Like, they have points that uh, mirror each other. So Ben T was drinking this in a, I definitely can't pronounce that, but that is probably a bar in Germany. Um, but he said, meh. Bonus points for it being in a can. Two stars. <laughs> but the one directly under that was, it would be sacrilegious of me to give this less than five stars. <laughs> right. I've got a, a Pro Mingler TM. He's uh, had to try this. A nice pills. Well, no, it's a hell, it's not a pilgrim. Clearly says it on the label, but a uh, good try. Um, 3.5. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't listen to Carl's suggestion of uh, look this shit up before. Oh, here we go. Uh, Kevin B, drinking, uh, drinking at home. Light, clean, sweet malt with a mild hot flavour on back note. He gave it 
It's at four seven. It's somewhere in the four seven five four point eight. I can't. I can't exactly tell. <laughs> I'm trying to look at this on the computer. Uh, Mike P was drinking it at home. Uh, good warm up or post workout beer. Uh, I three and a half. Got a Brindle in Carnegie, and I just checked some of their other check-ins, and that is the Melbourne Car- Carnegie. Um, there's a very old a lot of these. They, they this is 2016. Um, so thirst quenching right now. Good German lager. Past the pork knuckle, 3.75. <laughs> good, good comment. No, oh, I want pork knuckle. Uh, old, old Helmy, he's on there. He had it back in 2016 as well. Three stars, no comment. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, this is one of those wild ones there. I think I would, I'm probably a hundred reviews deep and we're only back to about the 30th of September. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's a lot of people checking this in. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense because it's Everywhere. Uh, Oktoberfest. Or was Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah, people are drinking it all the time. Yeah, that's right. HBOT did it, had it in 2016 as well. Three stars. And someone content B- BJCP training, and it was. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm enjoying that I've seen quite a few check-ins at like the Epcot Center because I remember like one of the most annoying things <laughs> I came across when I went when I went to Disneyland, like Disney World, like in the Magic Kingdom, you can't get a fucking beer, <laughs> which made sense when I thought about it afterwards. But I, I really wish I'd thought about it beforehand. But no, luckily, Epcot, no problem. You could uh, you could get a beer. <laughs> I would have expected that Disney would have their own like brewery or whatever mm. yeah I, I it's it's a good point but i guess it i guess they kind of going with the whole family friendly like you know atmosphere of uh, of the magic kingdom and all that sort of thing yeah. was sort of there where they decided to, but yeah yeah oh, here we go eight, eight hours ago vatislav o at a pool hall in moscow um <laughs> according to the uh, translation of his comment it feels as if the bottle is worse than on tap even a lot of water 3.5 <laughs> Whoa! Wow. Harsh. I guess if, I guess being Russian is probably just a Russian imperial stouts, so anything would be watery after that. Mm. I believe you mean imperial stouts. In, yeah, in Russia. And <laughs> 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 uh, when, when I was in when, when the one time that I went to Russia, it was just nothing but nothing but lagers everywhere I went. But it was pre-craft beer. Here we have uh, we have we have Robert R drinking at um, Brown Iron Brewhouse Royal Oak. Don't know where that is, but he said too bitter. Not a fan. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, definitely too bitter because these guys know nothing about brewing a house. Um, <laughs> Gary D at Bowen Market Farmers Market, classic German lager, three point seven five. All right, give me give me one more. Oh, Alexander, another, another, another Russian, untapped at home, and bottling is tastier. Five stars. There's a lot, of, and the, the Russian. Wow. Under, there's a lot of Russian. Mm. The Russian under him has also given it five stars. Who knew? There you go. So, so you know, considering all this history, what do we think about this beer? I think this, to me, I think it has to be a 3.5 because that is, like, exactly, for me, a 3.5 is exactly true. The style does nothing better or worse. It is 
100% what it should be, which mm. for me is what a 3.5 is. Yeah, I, I can care with that. I don't, I don't yeah, no, I, th- I think I think three and a half. Like, it's basically, I, I, I've drunk this before. I will drink it again, yes, or things that are similar to it. Um, yeah, it's not a style that I sort of... Uh, massively seek out so I wouldn't sort of rate any higher than that. So yeah, I'm down with that. I'm I'm gonna jump it up to three point seven five. I, I I completely agree with the three point five thing. I just this style of beer, it doesn't matter if it's from these guys. I just like a German Hallis is a very much a thing that I like going back to because like this it's you know that honey, that little sort of floral spiciness. And we've been talking for a little bit and almost this entire bottle is gone. It's, yeah. Like, it's the sort of thing that you drink by the litre. Mm. Yeah. And I'm I'm just loving the clarity. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No one can actually see our video on the podcast, but... But we're all holding up glasses, except Jeff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I can see you all quite clearly through this glass. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, look, I'm going to go with the 3.5 as well. Um, it's just, it's it's just the um, the basis of st- uh, basis of the style, I suppose. It, it, you know, every everything else is just a uh, just a wannabe um, Weizen, uh, uh, Stefana. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a if you're a brewer, I remember. I can imagine a young, a young Michael Stansel in his early days of brewing, mm. having this, having this in his uh, lineup of things that this is what I need to be able to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine that as well. Um, although, though, in my mind now that when you say young Michael Stansel, I think of like he's like a toddler. Yeah, well, I guess he already <laughs> is pretty young, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um and, Mike, and Michael stands all straight out of the crib, um and, and trying to put caps on a bottle. Yeah. Hi, I'm Michael, sure if you're listening. Everyone listening to, listening to this knows, but for anyone who doesn't, that is the head brewer of Burnley, who uh-huh. is very much um all about does German mm. style, does traditional mm. German styles probably as good as if not better than anyone else in this country. Yeah, he was trained by the German uh, uh, German brewers. Mm. So, uh, to, and uh, talking uh, talking about that, um, so three point five. Uh, let's let's take a quick break and let's drink a modern version of this style. That plan. Cool. And we are back, and we're into our second beer, which is it's a new take on the style. Um, uh, does someone want to tell me what we have? Uh, we have the Lager Life by Mr. Banks Brewing. Um, according to the untapped profile, German Hellas brewed with all German ingredients, crispy, but with a little more character and body. That's it. That's what we got. 5.1%. I thought it's in something different can, but I'm going to believe untapped. <laughs> Which is, um, I mean, not, 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 not coincidentally exactly the same as the percentage of the other. Um, uh, yes, it definitely says um, it's, it definitely says five point one on the um, okay. on the can. I, I, I misread the can. Then there we go. Nothing new. <laughs> um, uh, has everyone had a sip? What do we think? I um, it's it's nice. It hits a lot of the same 
Um, same sort of flavor notes as you'd kind of expect. Um, it's got a little more of a, like, I don't, I don't think it's as smooth as the yeah. Stefana. Mm. I think I'd it's got more, more body, less flavor. Yeah. I think I just I just like the wine Stefana a lot more than this actually. Like it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just having had them like I'm and I'm having them back to back now so I can do the very easy comparison. Mm, but yeah, mm. I I like the wine Stefana a lot more than this. Like I'm, this is not terrible, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the, uh, I think you you're bang on with part of it, Chris. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Paul, the the body on this is yeah, it's way heavier. Yeah. It it, it reminds me of I mean, I uh, you're all correct in my opinion. Um, it reminds me a lot of, um, uh, I think, hell, this is very Michael Stanzel heavy episode. Hi, Michael. Um, uh, where I remember him telling me about how he how he came up with the recipe for their Nipa, and he basically said, "Look, I just t- I, I just took what we would normally make, and then that I dialed back all the hops because that's what we do in Australia." Um, and I feel like this is almost a similar thing where um, the Australian version dials up everything and makes it a little bit, uh, like there's a little more bitterness, there's a little more everything in there, which the Weinstefana just doesn't have. Yeah, I feel like the, the, I, bang on. I feel like this has been brewed to be a very smashable, like the, the when I say it's got less flavour, that's, it's not so much criticism because I think that's exactly what they were going for because it's it doesn't have those those um, I think I think it's probably down to the malts. It doesn't have that multi backbone that would maybe turn some people off this traditional spot style. It's a lot more smashable. To if we want to wind mm. things back to the accessibility, um, not that a beer that's being arguably continually brewed for a thousand thousand years is not accessible. And is available in so many shops. But I think this is one that, you know, the average punter who's would just be like, oh, this one's great because you can just, it's more smashable. Mm. Is what I'm trying to say in far too many words. Yeah. And I, I think the the branding of this beer speaks to that point as well. Like the fact that when you, like when I first searched for it, I couldn't find Mr. Banks Hellas. Mm. But I could find Mr. Banks Lager Life. Yeah, and I think that's mm. what they're pushing on more because more people will see lager and go, "Well, I know I like lager. I know I drink it." Though I do like the—I um, don't know if you guys noticed—it's quite subtle between the color scheme and and that triangle. That is very much a nod to the sort of flag of that that, the, that region, the Germany. Bavarian flag. Yeah. Bavarian yeah. flag. I didn't see it, but now I do. Uh, yeah, very very good observation. I quite like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's modern, but it's got that that nod of appreciation there. It's 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 a very good design example of um, it, it taking a look that's very simple and accessible, and adding in you know not only their own flair but also um, adding adding in a bit of um, history to it. Well done. But so. Speaking of looking it up, what are people saying about it? I've been trying because I'm trying to do this on the computer, which I'm not used to doing. Is the, the Apple. Uh, uh, Leroy Leroy J, untapped at home. So his, his photo is um, he has four semi-crushed cans of Lager Life 
and then behind that is possibly six semi-crushed cans of Moondog, a Moondog Lager. <laughs> and his comment is, I wish these came in six packs, four stars. <laughs> uh, Dylan T was drinking it at the brewery. Um, fantastic callus, perfect balance, lovely clean malt profile with a light sweetness and noble hop bite. Uh, four and a... I would assume that's a 2.4.25. Or they've got the thing that you have, Paul, and they can do the increments. Yeah. <laughs> this one's good. Uh, uh, Jim, T- Jim T. And his his um his profile pick is uh, like the Jim's mowing logo. <laughs> at uh, at Etalong Mowers. <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely delicious and delicious and crushable. Four stars purchased at the brewery. We've got Porcelain P. It uh, doesn't say where he's drink or he or she is drinking. It doesn't indicate agenda. Uh, nice and easy stuff. One of my favourite Australian executions of Hellas up there with, with Rangers Mustard. Not sure what the last <laughs> bit is meant to mean. But... Um, what's with Frank? They did a Hellas? Yeah, they did a Hellas. It was oh, right. okay. It just wasn't what you expect from Range because yep. it didn't have a shitload of hops in it. Is it- <laughs> yeah. So, see, I just I just assumed that that was actually um, um I, I thought that was actually a mustard brand. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I was just like, I mean, <laughs> I would love if that was a mustard sure brand, a mustard brand that made a, made a Helms or a Hellas. So I did like um, if we're going to go going on a normal hour. Um, well, Kyle, I've seen it. A, a mutual friend uh, posted two range cans on his personal Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> two different beers with the exact same uh, hop profile and description, and he's like, "Oh, something's gone wrong with the automatic uh, generator." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is a very funny thing because obviously it would be it would go over most heads if they were like, "Hey, well, we put in like forty-five grams of this and X amount of this, yeah. and that's why they taste different, but they've got the same hops in them." Yeah. Because I've literally had those two side by side. They definitely are different. They definitely do taste different. Yeah. But it was quite funny. It brought to mind the, uh, uh, who was it? Big ba- uh, Little Bang with their. Oh, yeah, their random generated, uh, th- 16,000 randomly generated um, canned labels. Yeah. It's just a fantastic thing to do. Mm. Um, Russell Drake. Russell J was drinking this at home. Um, this is a cracker of a lager. Would happily sink a few on a warm Arvo, and I'm not a lager fan. Well done to the Mr. Banks team. Cheers. Uh, three and a half. And you got David P saying, um, again, not the same, very sweet slash corn, tastes like a Southeast Asian macro brew, two and a half. Interesting oh, I disagree. This is not Whoa. sweet at all. Yeah, no. this, is, this is less sweet than the Vine Stefano. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's taking it a bit away from because, like the the Vahan Stefan, I'm like I can taste that honey note, which is pretty prevalent in all these mm-hmm. beers, but I'm not getting it in the banks. It's still a thing I drink by the pint very happily. Yeah, this 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 is more this is more smashable than yeah. the previous beer, definitely. Um, Ed G, untapped at home, good, four point two five, purchased at near and far. Oh, Leroy Jay's back. He gave it four again, but this this time the can is by itself in the photo. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is a good one. Blair P at home purchased Top Heads Altona. Actually, nice to have a break from IPAs, sales, saisons, and stouts. Three point two five. Yeah, this is this is certainly one of those things. Um, being in industry and knowing a lot of like brewers and stuff, when you go out to these crazy bars, ninety percent of the time, all of them are drinking pilsners and lagers. It's Leroy J again. He's checked this in. But what I love about Leroy J, this is a third comment though. So this time, given it four stars, but this comment this time is this is slab worthy. So I literally think each one of these photos is him checking his his session progressing through the day. Good work, Leroy J. Yeah. Uh, we got Owen M drinking at home. Uh, this was really nice. Uh, at two months old, the spicy hops are holding up well. Nice, subtly sweet malt profile. Not quite to the standard of the Burnley Hellas, but pretty bloody good. 3.75. I just have to chuck that one in because it seems appropriate. Mm, mm. I am a massive fan of that Burnley Hellas. Mm, it's just a quality beer. <laughs> Leo J has a fourth check in. <laughs> <laughs> This is definitely later on the session. This has improved. Dangerous on a hot day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Um, Aside from what Leroy J thinks, what do we think about this beer? It's interesting, isn't it? Um, It goes to that. It goes to that point of what do you? Because if I've given the stars, because it is exactly what the style should be then I really like this beer, this one, and I would drink it again. So but then the question becomes, this beer doesn't deserve less than 3.5 stars. But then that then begs the question, does that mean I need to... I think now I'm almost more on the uh, on the Kyle route where I'd probably give this a 3.5, but I probably want to... I probably want to bump my last check-in up to a 3.7 because the last check-in is... The Vinestefano is a better beer. Yeah, so, yeah um, this, this is a 3.5, and I'm upgrading the last one to 3.7. Yeah, I'm, I'm of a similar mileage as like, well, I think I said up front, I like, I like the Vinestefano much more than this. I say much more. Like, I'm not going to give this like two and a half or anything like that. Um, but I reckon I'd give this a 3.25 and keep the previous one at three and a half. Yeah, I, I think I'd stick with a uh, – I'll go with a 3.5 for this. It's something I'd happily – like if it was the option that I had at a pub that I was drinking it for whole afternoon, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. Um, it's not something I'm really actively good, yeah. really going to seek out, but it's not a bad beer. But yeah, it's the, the Weihang Stefana. It, that excites me more than this does. Mm. Yeah, it's. Oh. I, I. I want them both. Um, it, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can give. Um, I, I don't think I can uh, like give three point five to. Uh, it, there's got to be a hierarchy whether we like it or not. I suppose so. I'm also following the route of um, this gets three point two five, although it's still very very smashable. Um, to keep the Weinstefana at the 3.5. But, you know, it's all, um, it's all a, um, a, a, you, you could you could uh, debate me over it and I could shift Paul's direction in a heartbeat as well. 
it's no i think yeah i think i think for me it's more that the personal ranking if it's less than 3.5 i don't drink it again mm. oh yeah systems mm. that, that's 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 where i where i'm yeah it's also a weird one like it's a hard one to debate because like it is like i like the the weinstefana better but that is not to say that this is a bad beer. This is a very good beer, and mm. if you like lagers, you will like this beer. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, even if you don't, but it's, yeah, when it's in comparison side by side, that's the pick that I'm making. Mm. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. So what does that do to the BBC rating then? Because we have uh, now four people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> So, so for this beer, we've got two 3.25s and two 3.5s. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 3.5. How, how do we used to settle this? Do we use it for the coin or some bullshit? Or do, you, or do we used to have, we, maybe we used to have like an extra person. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had a pure split before. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a coin split. I guess so. Who has yeah, coins? Well, I've got, I've got Who has coins? I have my weird D and D coin for heads Please. or tails. Uh, would, <laughs> I'm you down like, that. would you like the Spartan helmet or the uh, Grecian gate? <laughs> uh, I feel I feel the Grecian gate. The Grecian gate should represent the lowest score and yep. the uh, yeah. Okay, it's been flipped. Yep, it's that's the Grecian gate. There we go. Three point two five. It is three point two five. Sorry, Mr. Banks. Yeah. It might well have ended up that way in the end because, um, yeah, we were 3.75 or 3.5, right? In the last one. Well, Paul, you said 3.7, so I don't know if you want to make it. It's not, in a commoner terms, that is a 3.75. I, I'm not the one who's upside down on this uh, on this podcast. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't you, know you, why you've you, done you are, that. You are you are, no, you are the problem, so, my friend. <laughs> so while recording is active on this app, rotation is not allowed. So basically, um, I've done the whole on um, people like, oh, the iPhone 13 has amazing battery life, and I've done the whole uh, hold my drink trick on it. So I need to plug it in because I've been smashing it. I've been like screen on since like the second I got it. <laughs> doing all the things <laughs> all the things righty okay um I, so we need to flip a coin for the other one yeah yeah so same yeah so I think same 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 thing yeah it's the Spartan helmet it's 3.75 3.75 alright boom nobody got the 3.5 thank you thank you Chance so on that awesome note, I think we should finish this awesome and long episode here. Um, but uh, thank you to everyone for their contributions and uh, thank you to uh, Mariella for joining us and telling us Indeed. how the hell the world really works. Um, uh, we have been the Brunswick Beer Collective back for another season after Lord knows how long. Um, uh, we have been Kyle Campbell. Cheers. We've been Paul Christoph. Thank you. We've been Jeffrey Chi. Uh, catch you next time, hopefully sooner than the previous time. It better be. Um, and we've been Chris Shorten, and we will talk to you all in a couple of weeks.